Are you ready? A shot of wrestling. Episode 132. Step up to the break, we got MJP and Green Man. It's the brain and chipping and chip team. From my land to Japan and everywhere in between. Get the up-to-date news on the wrestling scene. So take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? We about to go live, but you're ready to rock. So take a shot, boy. Is that the message you got? From the fans to the fans, let me hear the crowd. Pop, so take a shot. Oh, yeah. So take a shot. Oh, so take a shot. Welcome to episode 132. I am your host at Michael J. Potty. How is everybody doing this week? Hope I've had a good week. If you all listen to episode 131, part two, sweet. Hope you enjoyed it as much as me and Green Man enjoyed being there in person. It was a great weekend. Much needed to get away from myself. Good to get away, forget about life, forget your problems, forget about everything, just escape into the world that is professional wrestling. So big thank you again to Standalone Wrestling, who presented both Boardwalk Beatdown and Breakout. Great night, great weekend. So big thank you again. And I could use another weekend getaway because now your boy at Michael J. Putty's a little banged up. I've been driving for a while now, year and a half, almost two years now, and I got into my first accident tonight. I was driving on the highway. I was getting from one highway onto another. The big long curve from one highway to the other. Traffic was very heavy. It's crawling. So we're inching away, inching away. And then I look at my rearview mirror. I see some sort of like gray SUV. So we're crawling along, crawling along. I need to go to Mineola, Long Island to get a tuxedo fitting for my friend's wedding. You know, always a groomsman, never the groom. Anyway, so it's a standstill. It's crawling. Then all of a sudden, I get bam, rear-ended. And like I jolt back. My neck snaps back. And I don't remember where I heard this, where I read this. Someone told it to me before I started driving. Um, they told me to adjust the headrest so your neck doesn't snap back. It should be at the level of your head. So if your head does get into an accident, you do get rear-ended. Your head bounces off the headrest. So that, that's the first thing I did when I started driving. Good thing I did. It was very hard. Very hard hit. I'm like, oh, fuck. What the fuck? I'm crawling along. There's no way to get off. It's a small little narrow road. So I'm thinking, all right, maybe I'll get off the next exit because I don't see a shoulder to get onto anywhere. So we're crawling. We're still proceeding. It's a big fucking white van. So finally, we're now approaching the highway that we're trying to get onto. And there's a little, there's a little indentation on the shoulder. But a car's there already. Not enough room for me to pull over. Something, let me just get off the next exit, see, what, see, hopefully he'll follow me, right? My first accident, I don't have to do, I'm assuming he'll just follow me. So we're proceeding, we're proceeding, I see now the shoulders start to open up. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll just pull over here, I know what to do. Before I can even do that, this white van who rammed me from behind goes onto the shoulder and breezes right by me, laughing, laughing, the fact that he fucking hit me. Now he's just breezing under the shoulder, where well, you're not supposed to go under the shoulder just to drive away, asshole. He drunk on the shoulder, he cuts up. And then now he's zigzagging through traffic. He's in the right lane. He's in the left lane. He's in the middle lane. Goes back to the left lane. Goes back to the right lane. Now I want to follow him because I need his. I need his fucking license plate number at least. I got my phone ready. I got my camera ready. As he breezed by me, I'm like, "Fuck!" I, I missed it. In my rearview mirror, I caught like it started with a Q, maybe a G. I'm not sure what it started with. I couldn't get the license plate number. So I tried to follow him to get a quick picture. I he lost me. Traffic was too heavy. I couldn't even switch lanes. I don't know how the fuck this asshole was doing. But you know, he's a fucking asshole. I guess he doesn't give a fuck about anybody else. So now here I am worried about. Now I got a throbbing headache. I just want to throw up. So I decided to, let me just not pull over. Let me just go to my destination since I lost him. So 
So I go to my destination, park, word. I don't want to get out of the car. I really don't want to get out of the car. I don't want to see the fucking damage. I get out of the car, take a deep breath, go to the back of my car, and boom, nothing. No dents, no scratches. There's some white marks that weren't there before. So I'm like, by the grace of God, whomever you believe in, somehow cover my ass today. So big relief. Big, big relief. Now I'm all shaky. Because it's my first accident. And now it wasn't the accident itself because there was no damage. I was okay. I got a headache. I got a pain in my shoulder. I got a pain in my neck. But that's usually there. So I don't know if it's the fact that I slept wrong or the fact that I got to an accident and whiplash. But I got to the tuxedo place. The guy asked me, hey, hey, Mike, how you doing today? I'm like, I tell him, actually, I'm, I'm okay. No, no, I'm not. I got fucking rear-ended. I'm fucking pissed. It's like, what happened? I tell him what happened. He goes, oh, bro, just I'm shaking. My hands are shaky for some reason. He tells me, just sit down, relax, take it easy. We're not in a rush. Just take your, take a load off, unwind, take a deep breath, tell somebody to get me a bottle of water. I'm drinking a bottle of water. He's like, no, take your time, take your time. I try to get up. He's like, no, bro, just relax, sit down, sit down. They wouldn't let me get up. They started telling me stories about their accidents. They made sure I finished my water. It was just great customer service. Thank you for taking care of me, even though I didn't need it. So it's Forestos out in Mineola. If you need a tuxedo for any occasion, check those guys out. Great guys over there. Forestos, Mineola. Thank you so much. Now I'm nervous about getting home. I'll take the side streets. Because fuck that. I'm not dealing with the highway. I don't need to deal with these fucking fat assholes anymore. I'm going to go to the safe, slow side streets. Took like 20 extra minutes to get home. That's fine. I'll deal with it. But yeah. Get home. Got to call the insurance company. Now, do I call the cops? Because I have nothing to give the cops. I have no information. I have a license plate of a white van that starts with a G or even a fucking Q. Who the fuck knows? Call the insurance company. They take care of me. Shout out to Progressive. I asked, do I call the cops? They go, it's always a great job to get the cops involved, but completely up to you. You don't have to. So I didn't call the cops. But it's reported on my insurance company. Case's asshole, this laughing, smug piece of shit, decides to make a claim on me. Because he has my license plate number. He's been following me for God knows how long. He fucking rammed into me. I'm sure my license plate is dented into his fucking front bumper. But no. It's funny because I was always worried about going down to Atlantic City for the first time. About something happening to the car. Something happening to me. Maybe even an accident. Nothing. Smooth sailing back and from Atlantic City. And here we are going to a 20 minute ride. Get fucking rammed in the ass. By a fucking asshole white van. Fuck that guy. Like I said, I wasn't upset. I mean, the airbags didn't deploy. I was fine. The car was fine. Which is a big relief. I'm more worried about the car than myself. The fact that this smug asshole was laughing as he got on the shoulder, halfway on the fucking grass, and just zipped by me, that's what pissed me off. That's what made me shaky. Fuck him. Karma hopefully exists. And hopefully it is true. Karma is a bitch. Fuck that guy. <sighs> Man. Went downstairs to the bar before I came to the studio. Mike gave me a couple shots, tried to calm me down, told him what happened. <sighs> All right, let's uh, get off my chest. You know... As Jenny Mahal says, Shanti, Shanti. All right. I think I'm good. Let's get on with the show. Let's get into this week's wrestling replay. SummerSlam, August 26th, 1991. Let's end summer with another iconic SummerSlam in front of a crowd of over 20,000 at Madison Square Garden right here in New York City, New York. The British Bulldog, Ricky Steamboat, and the Texas Tornado defeated Power and Glory, Hercules, and Paul Roma. And the Warlord in 10 minutes, 53 seconds. Bret Hart defeated Mr. Perfect to win the Intercontinental Championship in 18 minutes, 4 seconds. The Natural Disasters defeated the Bushwhackers in 6 minutes, 27 seconds. Virgil defeated the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase to win the Million Dollar Championship in 13 minutes, 11 seconds. 
the big boss man defeated the Mountie in a jailhouse match in 9 minutes 38 seconds. The Legion of Doom defeated the Nasty Boys in a street fight to win the Tag Team Championships in 7 minutes 45 seconds. Erwin R. Scheister defeated Greg the Hammer Valentine in 7 minutes and 7 seconds. In something that was deemed a match made in heaven, Randy Macho Man Savage married his longtime love, Miss Elizabeth. And in the match made in hell, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior defeated Colonel Mustafa, General Adnan, and Sergeant Slaughter in a handicap match with Sid Justice as special guest referee in 12 minutes, 40 seconds. That was SummerSlam 1991. Very memorable. And if you've been listening for a while, that's why I started doing these wrestling replays, is to highlight a wrestling event with an iconic moment and replay the stuff that we kind of forgot about. Of course, the match made in heaven with Randy Macho Man Savage and Miss Elizabeth. But for me, this was a jailhouse match between Big Boss Man and the Mountie. It is a moment I have never forgotten, probably never will forget. I remember watching this match as a kid. I literally saw the Mountie get thrown in jail here in New York City. I don't know why I remember it. Clear as day, I'm sitting in my living room floor right in front of the TV watching in awe as this unfolded. And every time I think of the Mountie or the Big Boss Man, I always think of this particular moment. Around that time, I also went to a field trip, my Cub Scout trip. Yeah, I'm a Cub Scout. Always be prepared. To my local police station. They showed us inner workings. They showed us cop cars. They showed us different vehicles. But they also showed us jail cells. And this was the first time I had to see a real-life jail cell in person. Now, I don't remember this, this field trip happened before SummerSlam 91 or after SummerSlam 91. But either way, it doesn't matter. Because I always equate seeing the Mountie get thrown in jail to a jail cell that looked exactly like the one I saw. Now this happened in 1991. I was eight years old. Probably many of you weren't even born yet. Probably a lot of you weren't even following professional wrestling at the time, which is your big miss out. So go back to SummerSlam 1991 to go check this event out. Great events. Very fun to watch. Anyway, let's move on. Let's get into the news. It's in the news with Michael J. Putty. Neville was officially released from his contract with the WWE. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter notes he is free to go wherever he wants because there is a no-compete clause in effect. Now, if you remember, Neville was unhappy with the creative. They tried even getting his release back when he quit the company back in October 2017. W officials did not grant the release when he quit because they didn't want him to set a precedent where Towns under contract could walk out anytime and go to New Japan Pro Wrestling where it was very much expected that's where he would end up. Neville's contract was frozen for almost a year before finally being released this week. So goodbye to Neville. Take care. Comb your hair. The sad, sad story. Neville was a big, huge talent. Sorry to see him go. So where do you want to see Neville end up? Do you want to see Neville in New Japan and pro wrestling? Do you want to see Neville in Nucha Underground? Do you see Neville on Impact? Let us know. Inbox at ShadowWrestling.com or ShadowWrestling on all your social medias. Let's see what the future holds for Neville. In other news, my man Batista's in the news. Batista said that when he left the WWE in 2010, it was partly out of spite. The on-screen explanation was then Raw GM Bret Hart demanded that he compete whilst in a wheelchair. But however, in an interview with Talk Sports, he said he wanted to develop his skills as an actor, but surprisingly, WWE would not allow. He said, and I quote, I have to say it came from me discovering I was a horrible actor and I wanted to be a better actor and I wanted to do it while I was still in WWE. They would not give me the opportunity within the company, so I said I should be given the opportunity to do it outside the company, and they said, absolutely not. Well, then I said, I'm going to let my contract run out, and I'm going to leave. That's exactly what I did. I set out to be an actor. You have the likes of John Cena and Hulk Hogan and, more importantly, The Rock. Why not let Batista do that himself? Why not let Batista become a better actor? 
You could sell the shit out of his movies. Do what you did with The Rock. Do what you did with John Cena. Why not let Batista do that? That's stupid. Really, really stupid. You could have Batista for the last eight years on our TVs. But no, WWE had to stick up their ass about Batista for some unknown reason. Good for Batista to stand for his morals. Good for Batista. Much respect. And it paid off. Because since leaving the company, he's become a major Hollywood player. As you know, he started as Drax the Destroyer in the Guardian of the Galaxy franchise and Infinity War. He was Mr. Hinks in the James Bond Spectre movie. He was in Blade Runner 2049. And he recently spoke with FlickeringMyth.com, revealing he's still hopeful to land a role in Gears of War, something he has been pursuing for years. And more importantly, he also revealed he has auditioned for Star Wars twice and has been turned down both times. He said, and I quote, I've actually auditioned for a couple of Star Wars movies. They turned me down. It's always been a dream of mine to be in a Star Wars film. And now I just realized it's been a dream of mine to watch Batista in a Star Wars movie. So J.J. Abrams, whoever the fuck's listening, Disney, you're lost. Book Batista in a Star Wars movie. He's built for that franchise. Make it happen. We all want to see it. So fingers crossed. We'll keep you updated. In other news, a weird story that came out this past week on Raw Former WWE performer Jason Sensation, a name we all know from the late 90s as his really dead-on impersonation of Owen Hart, amongst others, but mainly known for his impersonation of Owen Hart, threatened to shoot himself during Raw at the Scott Bank Arena in Toronto as he claimed to get a gun through security. Now, his tweet set out a huge security alert in the arena with police reporting to walk the stands, asking those in attendance, have they seen Jason in the building? Huge chaos erupted. Vince Russo managed to get in contact with him, who told him that the tweet was a joke and he was home and not at Raw at all. Police also confirmed this when I reached out to them. They released a statement saying during Raw, how Jason was never even in the arena. Usually fucked up. I mean, the story is completely fucked up. I don't understand. I can't even fathom. Why would you even joke about this? Especially in the climate that we live in right now. Why would you joke about sneaking a gun into a mass populated event and threaten to kill yourself on screen? It's not funny. I don't get the joke. I don't get the punchline here. Well, since then, Jason, the sensation, tweeted, I've been detained by police and forced to stay in a hospital after sending out an awful, thoughtless tweet last night. I honestly wasn't thinking. I'm sincerely sorry and apologize to everyone and anyone that's affected, especially my loved ones at WWE and at Toronto Police. Fuck you. This was a publicity stunt that went horrible. Now we're talking about Jason the Sensation, a name we've not mentioned for the last 20 years. And, uh, but what's the point? Nothing's going to come of this. You're not doing podcast interviews. We're not going to interview you. What was, what was the punchline here? What was the end result of this fucking shitty, horrible, heartless joke? Jason the Sensation, you can go fuck yourself. You know the news. Now, a fun story I heard about. Completely changing topic. How did Mark Merrow land Sable? Sable was a 10. Now, Mark Merrow's not an ugly guy. Good looking guy, great built. But Sable? Well, he appeared on Primetime with Sean Mooney recently to discuss how he met Sable. He was apparently traveling with Buff Bagwell and DDP. They played this pickup game where they would pick out a girl, and that guy had to give them their best pickup line. And you would have to come up with something to get a date, meet them later on, or even just get a phone number. Most of the time I did it was just for a laugh, for shits and giggles. Well, apparently, he revealed while in Jacksonville, Florida, the trio was at a buffet, Sable, of course, caught their eye. And it was Mark Merrow's turn. So Mark Merrow said, and I quote, I think it was my turn. We were in line at the buffet. And all of a sudden, there she was at the end of the line. This beautiful girl. DDP and Buff go, give her your best line. 
Oh, man. So the pressure's on. What I did, I started to be really creative. So creative, in fact, that it worked when I was in elementary school. When it came to cash out, I gave the cashier a note. Do you like me? Yes or no? I said, see that beautiful blonde over the end? When she comes by, give it to her and tell her it's from me. Sure enough, they watched Sable get the note. Sable doesn't give a fuck. No sells it. Doesn't even read the note. No acknowledgement. No reaction. She took it and left her seat to eat her food. Well, apparently 15 minutes later, they were getting ready to leave. The same cashier comes over with that note. And it said, maybe. So before they left, Mark Merrill goes to Sable and says, hey, we're wrestling in Jacksonville tonight. And she knew who we were. I left her and her friend some tickets to come. And that's when we first started hanging out together. Not news related at all, but a fun little story that anybody can get anybody, I guess, is the technique. Is how you approach it? Because Mark Barrow's not in Sable's League. I'm not in Sable's League. This gives hope for guys like me. Okay? Now, if I see a 10, if I see a dime piece, I can be like, all right, Mark Merrill got Sable. Your boy at Michael J. Putty can get so-and-so. So, for you listening, you have hope. There is still hope yet. Don't give up. Never surrender. You see a beautiful woman. Do what you got to do. Because Mark Merrill can do it. We can do it. Keep hope alive. Man, fuck Mark Merrill. Ah, oh, man. It's fucking crazy. In other news, the partnership with WWE and Evolve continues to, well, evolve. Evolve Wrestling announced that NXT star Velveteen Dream will be wrestling at their shows on September 7th in Joppa, Maryland, and September 8th, right here in Queens, New York. WWE will be posting his opponents on their official website very, very soon, so we will keep you updated. Tickets are available at wnnlive.ticketfly.com. You want to see the Velveteen Dream before he gets called up to the main roster right here in Queens, or if you're in Maryland, check it out. Maybe your boys out of Wrestling will be there as well. You never know. In other news, Pro Wrestling Illustrated has released their annual PWI Top 500 for 2018, even though the year is not even over yet. The top 10 read, The Miz came in at number 10, and it was number 10 last year. Tetsuya Laido was 12 last year, down number 9. Cody Rhodes lands at number 8, up from last year at 33. Huge jump for Cody Rhodes. Roman Reigns last year was number 4. He came down to number 7, which is mind-boggling. Braun Strowman last year was 34, and now at number 6, which is mind-boggling as well. Last year, Seth Rollins landed 16th. He is now number 5. Brock Lesnar goes from 25 to 4. Kasukita Akada last year was number 1, came down to number 3. AJ Styles lands at number 2, where he was last year. And number 1, up from number 5 in 2017, is Kenny Omega, not bad top 10. I don't know the criteria they use. Is it in-ring? It can't be just in-ring because Braun Strowman was on the list. And so is Brock Lesnar. can't just be in-ring. Is it character? Is it matches? Is it promos? What's the criteria for this fucking list? Because Brock Lesnar's number four? That's preposterous. Braun Strowman's number six? That's insane. Roman Reigns is number seven? He should be way higher. He should be number four. Fuck Brock Lesnar. What do you feel about this list? We posted it on our Instagram. Comment. Let us know what you think. A Shadow Wrestling on Twitter. A Shadow Wrestling on Instagram and Facebook. Shadow Wrestling No A on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Do you agree or disagree with the PWI Top 500 for 2018? And finally, let's end on some good note. Former three-time, three-time, three-time Divas champion, my girl, one of my top Divas of all time, Eve Torres, posted on Instagram that she and her husband, Renee Gracie, has welcomed their second child, 
In an Instagram post, she writes, and I quote, we are so overwhelmed with love and gratitude. I wasn't sure it was possible for me to, to fall in love with another little boy all over again, but here you are. Grateful for the ability to give you life for a healthy baby boy and a beautiful birth experience. Welcome, Henson Gracie. Now, Henson, she specifies it's pronounced Henson. It's spelled R-E-N-S-O-N. To me, that's Renson. How do you get Henson from Renson? I don't know. It reminds me of a good friend of mine. Had a baby girl. They loved the name Gia. He loved it. His wife loved it. They decided to name it this beautiful baby girl, Gia. But they spelled it J-I-A. Jaya? So whenever they went to the doctor, the doctor would always mispronounce her name. Commonly, I don't blame them, calling her Jaya. To the point, they got so frustrated, my friends had to change her name legally from Jaya with a J to Gia with a G. So just a little heads up there, Gracie family. I mean, everyone's going to call him Renson. Just why not just call him Henson with an H? Makes no sense. Good luck to this fucking kid. Good luck. But anyway, congratulations to Eve Torres, her husband, and the family for addition of a beautiful baby child. Congratulations to health and happiness to everybody involved. But that's it for the news. Once again, I am still on vacation. Haven't paid attention. I'm too busy relaxing. Doing absolutely nothing. Next week, I go back to work, unfortunately. So my ear will be back to the ground on the wrestling news. More wrestling news is coming. So next week, you know, you have more wrestling news. Not too much filler. Not too much here about Mark Merrill, How I Met Sable. You'll have actual news next week. But uh, that's it. Let's get right into some cheers and heels. Great week of wrestling. Let's get right into it. A shot of wrestling presents here and here. So let's get right into what is becoming my favorite segment of the show. Cheers and heels. Start with Raw, as you always do. Gonna cheers to Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins match. Great match. Fantastic. Fun to watch. That's my new thing now. It has to be fun to watch. I don't care if it's technically great. I don't care if it's great for storyline-wise. It has to be fun for me. If you know it for the last couple weeks, this match was fun to watch. Great job to both guys. But side chill, which is a cheer and a heel. Kevin Owens quitting. Like, uh, what's this about? Where is this going? Where is this ending up? Because he's not going back to SmackDown. Because Shane's still there. But his boy Baron Corbin and Stephanie McMahon are on Raw. So why is he quitting? Where is this going? Let us know your predictions on the future of Kevin Owens. I'm going to cheers the Revival getting an opportunity and their fantastic post-match promo. I've been big on the Revival since they debuted. I mean, that's true. When they debuted, I wasn't really crazy about them, but they won me over. Now they're involved in some sort of storyline with the Tag Team Championship. So, good job for the Revival. But uh, I'm going to heal after their promo. Hey, 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 hey. They, they, uh, they said top guys out. <laughs> that's my thing. I end every show with Putty out. So, insert name out has now officially become at Michael J. Putty's thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I stole it from Ryan Seacrest. I get that. He didn't even use it anymore, so I kind of adopted it as my own. And now we know that W listens to the show. We know for a fact they do. Why, why can't you guys steal some of Green Man's shitty fucking corny lines? Don't take my lines. Big cheers to return of my girl, Trish Stratus. I am so satisfied. Looking smoking hot as ever. Hashtag MILF status. I cannot wait to see her in action against Alexa Bliss at Evolution. And a big side cheers, the return of Mickey James. Perfect timing. 
I guess that's what they were doing. Because I questioned a week or two ago, where was Mickey James? I guess they held her off for Trish Stratus, which makes sense. Oh, great segment. Great segment at the bottom. The main event. Was this supposed to be like a heel turn for Braun Strowman? Because he destroyed the face, the shield. But people don't like Roman Reigns. They love Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, but love Braun Strowman. But they hate Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre. But Braun Strowman's aligning themselves with them, beating up on the people that they love. So was this a heel turn for Braun Strowman? Man, I hope not, because it's not going to work. So I'm curious how this plays out. And uh, finally for Raw, overall, good job for Baron Corbin. As acting general manager, he did a great job. Came off very well. Congratulations to him. Looking forward to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. It's going to SmackDown. You know, big cheers. The uh, New Day Five Timers Club celebration with King Booker. It's a fun segment to watch. It did not take itself too seriously. And that's what I liked. Kick back, relax, watch a stupid segment for like 10 minutes. Came off well. Good job to those guys. And oh, shit. It is the Colognes. I am very happy to see them back. I mentioned a couple months ago, where are they now? When they came over from Raw, I cheered them because they dropped that shitty fucking stupid gimmick with the pamphlets. And they were perceived to be a legit tag team. Their matches were fantastic. I was all in on the Colognes. But then someone got hurt. Don't know which one. And they were sidelined for a long time. But now they're back. And uh, hopefully that they get a shot like a revival. Trust me. Give the Colognes time. Healthy time. Colognes are the future SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Don't know when. Don't know how long. But give the Colognes time. Colognes deserve it more than anybody on any show's roster. I'm going to cheers to Daniel Bryan versus Andrade Cien Almas. Another good, fun match to watch beginning to end. And I normally hate when a great match, a great technical match, is interrupted by a shitty, shitty fucking finish. But it was The Miz. It was a Maurice. It was awesome. It added to their storyline. So I uh, bought into it. So not only was it a great match, it was a great ending to a great match that progressed the storyline even further than it did last week. So good job to all those involved. I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed SmackDown. Let's get into some Lucha Underground. Cheers right away. Joey Mercury popped up as Johnny Mundo's best man at his wedding to Taya Valkyrie. I mean, it makes sense. So why wouldn't he be there? They're iconic. There's a legendary tag team. So that makes sense. It was good to see. I still don't know why he was let go from the WWE in the first place. But it's neither here nor there. And a shout out to Matt Stryker for a great Seinfeld reference. Exolicious was pushed onto Stryker's lap at the commentary table. During his No Moss match, Vampiro asked him, Are you okay? Matt, are you okay? Stryker hesitates and replies, I, th- I think I'm good, but I, I-, I-, I think it moved. Great reference. If you know anything about Seinfeld, you get it. Great Seinfeld reference. I appreciate that. Thank you, Matt Stryker. No, Exo Lichter was down during his No Moss match. I guess they have to say No Moss instead of I Quit. Just say I Quit. It makes so much more sense. Exo Lichter was being choked out. But instead of saying No Moss, the ref put the microphone in his face. The camera was in his face. And he said, fuck you. Uncensored on El Rey at 8 o'clock. No censored. He clearly said, fuck you. What are the SEC regulations here? How does this fucking work? How does he fuck you on a cable network? I'm curious. But anyway, in your main event, it was Johnny Mundo, Taya's wedding. Now, Matanza Cuerto broke it up and destroyed everybody, putting people through tables, spearing people. It was literally a shit show. But he was released 
what the guy Johnny Mundo and Worldwide Underground keep picking on. The guy that idolizes Johnny Mundo. Don't remember his name offhand. Didn't write it down. But they always keep picking on this guy. He's a, he's a guy with a creepy talking doll. The guy that brutally murdered somebody last week on Lucha Underground. So this guy gets a key, goes to where Matanza Cuerto is being kept under lock and key, and releases him to break up the wedding. But now, early on in the season, maybe episode one or two, the guy currently running Lucha Underground, his dad, Mr. Cuerto, went to this dark, dungeony room, threw the keys to Matanza Cuerto to release him. So we think this guy is free now, but now all of a sudden he's still locked up under chain and key? Like, then why release him in the first place? If you're going to release him only to chain him up again, why release him in the first place? What the fuck is this storyline going on with the Cuertos? I can go on and on about this. It's hugely a bane of my existence. But I digress. That was Lucha Underground. Let's get into Impact as they presented their event called Redefined. Quick update. That kid Ricky, who got ran over and killed by the OGs, we saw the point of view of his eyes closing. So apparently he's not dead. Apparently he's fine. He's going to make a full recovery. So get well, Ricky. Or Richie, I don't fucking know. It was Brian Cage and Phoenix for the X Division Championship. Now Josh Matthews was talking about the accomplishments of Brian Cage. All the men he's defeated, because he's undefeated apparently. And he mentioned Impact Star EC3 had a match with Brian Cage. And Brian Cage, quote unquote, sent him to a different universe. We haven't heard from him since. You know, Josh, I see what you did there. I appreciate that. But fucking Brian Cage, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's a fucking freak, freak athlete. This guy's, what, 6'4", 275 pounds? Very impressive. He flies around, flips around, runs around like a fucking lucha, like a lightweight, both on Impact and Lucha Underground. He was a match against Phoenix. Phoenix did a suicide dive through the second rope. Brian Cage caught him by the neck and delivers a vertical suplex without Phoenix ever touching the ground. This guy caught this guy going full speed by the neck. Make sure he stays upright and drops him on a suplex. It was insane. I posted on it on our, on our Facebook page, A Shot of Wrestling. Go check it out. It was clearly insane. Hopefully I can see I can get it up on our Instagram because that was just, that was a spot of the week for me. That was insane. But that wasn't enough. He was on the top rope. He dragged Phoenix to the top rope. Both men are standing on the top turnbuckle of the ring. It's not like one man's on the top turnbuckle, the other guy's on the second rope, like they do sometimes. No, both men, four feet were on the top turnbuckle. Brian Cage delivers a freaking power bomb from the top rope. Insane. I have never seen that before in my life. Probably never will again. Both men from the top rope, four feet on the top turnbuckle. Brian Cage has the strength and wherewithal. Credit to Phoenix, too, to deliver a power bomb as both men were falling. Definitely have to check it out. Definitely check that match out. Phoenix versus Brian Cage for the X Division Championship on Impact. That was insane. Oh, man. I'm going to cheers a smoke show because I think I have to. Because uh, now she's smoking hot. She's um, smoking hot. But she caused more friction between Grado, Katrina, and Joe Henry this week. And Katrina got in her face. This was a big catfight broom between Katrina and the smoke show is Scarlet Bordeaux. I loved it. So hot. So hot. And in your main event, it was Moose and Eddie Edwards going against Killer Cross and Austin Aries. Now, Moose kept calling Eddie Edwards his best friend. 
did it last week. He did it this week. And uh, it kind of gave the fact away that Moose was going to turn here. He kept constantly repeating that, that Eddie Edwards is his best friend, and it gave me the vibe where, like, something's going to happen here. Something's going to happen here. Because one, one of their best friends, I've watched the Impact for a couple months now, they never crossed paths. They never mentioned any sort of relationship at all. So Moose turns on Eddie Edwards, predictably. It was well done, though. But Matt, now we have the trio of Austin Aries, the champion being backed up by Moose and Killer Cross. I mean, this trio is unstoppable. How is Impact going to answer this? Who's Eddie Edwards going to come back with this? I mean, that trio's unstoppable. Sign me up. Oh, man. Fantastic. Clip of the week was 2 minutes, 50 seconds. It showcased the debut of Drew Galloway on Impact. His debut lasted maybe 30 seconds. I didn't need to see that whole spiel. You guys could have done what you did last week and edited it down to maybe 45 seconds. Would have been much better. But, uh, you know, whatever. I'm starting to give up on the clip of the week. Because they teased me one week, and then the next week they fucked me over. So... Don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're listening. I hope they do. But they didn't give me the fucking date or time again. So whether Drew Galloway debut on Impact, I don't know. They didn't fucking tell me. I'll have to fucking Google it. <sighs> you see me the date and the event, please. That's all I asked for. They're getting some ratings. Raw this week drew a 2.877 million, which is down 7% from last week's 3.095 million. Raw was number three in the night behind Hannity and Rachel Maddow. Raw, was, however, was number one in the 18 to 49 demographic for the third week in a row. SmackDown this week drew a 2.350 million, which is down 3.6% from last week's 3.437. SmackDown was number five in viewership in the night behind Retro Maddow and Fox News. However, SmackDown was number one in the 18 to 49 demographic for the fifth week in a row. The Miz and Mrs. season finale drew a 1.161 million, which is down from last week's 1.235. However, the show ranked number six in the night in the 18 to 49 demographic. Looking forward to part two of this season, as they're calling it, in 2019. Double the episodes. We'll keep you updated when that debuts. Impact this week drew a 225000 for this special redefined event. It's up 6% from last week's 2.12000. Impact ranked 112 on the cable top 150. Last week's show drew, last week's show ranked 131. That is your ratings this week. That is your TV shows this week. That's everything we have for this week. Let's get some go-home thoughts. We were recording the show on Friday, August 31st. By the time the show airs and posts, All In would have taken place. So we have no results yet, but hopefully you guys came down to the Crown Room on Bell Boulevard, Bayside, Queens, for our all-in viewing party. If you showed up, I'm assuming you guys had fun. If you didn't, make sure you stay tuned for our next viewing party, because you want to be at our viewing party. It's fun, it's raucous, chant, cheer, along with the crowd. It's, it's, it's a good time. Food specials, drink specials, and by the way, it's fucking free to get in. So if you missed our all-in pay-per-view event... Make sure you stay tuned to our Hell in a Cell viewing party at the Crown Room and Bell Boulevard in Bayside, Queens. This is an event you don't want to miss. These parties are getting bigger and better, so get in on the ground floor while you can now. But next week, episode 133, not only will we be reviewing All In, we'll be coming to you live from the fucking Bronx to cover BCW's Fight For It 2. Stack card, we got Azrael defending the BCW Championship, we got the... The, the war between PCA and Federated coming to an end. We got the ace versus the ace. Now I can go on to break down this card top to bottom, but I think you guys heard me talk enough all episode. So let's dial it up. Pete Rosado, the voice of BCW. Let's have him break down the card in depth, match by match up for the card for BCW's fight for it too. Mr. Pete Rosado, are you there, my friend? Mr. Putty, I am here as always. You know, when a shadow wrestling call, I am always there on the other end of the phone. You survived Atlantic City okay? You got home okay? 
Uh, I wouldn't say okay. Uh, I got home. That's that's the good part about it. It was a very long day. Obviously, we were yeah. there from very early in the morning. Uh, and you know, I don't know how you did it because you guys stood there to the very end. I actually had to leave early to go take care of a of adult things. And I know as exciting as that may sound in people's imaginations, it wasn't as exciting as people think it might be. Um, but I had to take that three hour drive back. Um, but I survived. That's, that's the good part about it. It was a very long day, a very great day at Boardwalk Beatdown. Then later at Sandal and wrestling, fantastic day. Well worth the exhaustion. Now, I don't want to stroke your ego, but you know, when you left, so did president Donald Trump. I don't know if you have any poll, what the connection is, when you left, Donald Trump left as well. Listen, we were, we were uh, go. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want there to be any kind of public idea that there's any connection between me <laughs> and the and the redhead in chief. Uh, no collusion. That is certainly not. No, no collusion there. Trust me. Uh, I am. I am strictly on the other side of the. Uh, you know, no pun intended. On the other side of the wall from our current uh, redhead in chief. But it's sad. It was interesting to see uh, Mr. Trump at, at the. Uh, at standalone wrestling, but sad to see that he left uh, right after me. I guess, you know, he knew that once Rosado left, he had to go because things were about to break down. And from what I hear from how that main event went, things definitely broke down. That's a different story. But Pete, you're here because Boardwalk Beatdown and Breakout are in our rearview mirror. Now we look forward to BCW Fight For It 2. It's going to be a great show. You excited about it? You have to be. Oh, I- I am super excited. I mean, I'm, I'm getting ready to, I mean, we have put together one hell of a show. Obviously we took August off and, uh, September is really going to be that, that show that really sets the gears for what we're looking to really put out there. The three year anniversary, anniversary three is only about what? six seven months away so really trying to gear up towards a a really big third year anniversary you know mr anthony cole is is very proud of of bcw being the little engine that did when everybody thought we wouldn't so really looking forward to fight for it too because if you were at fight for it one which was a hell of a show fight for it two is going to be even better just by the looks of the card we put together green man going to join you on commentary again you know, Green Man's starting to, uh, you know, really kind of grow on the commentary team. He, uh, you know, the invitation will be there. And, uh, you know, Mr. Putty, I will say that if, if Green Man doesn't take the opportunity, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you wouldn't mind putting on the headset. Funny you mention that because I've been watching a lot of Mr. Perfect commentary. I've been practicing my pen flips. So if Green Man pulls a hammy, let me know. I'm ready to tag right in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, but no, Green Man, uh, the, the invitation for Green Man to join us on commentary will be uh, will be extended once again. Um, you know, it's fun having Green Man there, and, and a lot of it for me is really kind of this idea of paying it forward. Uh, I remember when I first started uh, getting involved in, in independent professional wrestling and, and knowing that I wanted to be a commentator, knowing that I wanted to be behind that desk and, and wishing somebody would help open that door for me, and, and thankfully somebody did. And, and I'm just grateful for the fact that I'm now able to pay that forward and open the door for someone uh, like Green Man, you know, to, to make his mark in the business. So you, Green Man, AJ Pan, will be covering these matches. Start off with Rep versus East Coast Syndicate. You know, this was a, this was a match put together. Uh, the brainchild of Mr. Anthony Cole himself walked into a creative meeting and literally like, we're doing the Rep versus East Coast Syndicate and walked out. Like literally that's what it was. Walks into the room, <laughs> rep versus East Coast Syndicate. Walks out, we're just like, 
Okay, rep versus East Coast Syndicate. There we go. You know, but East Coast Syndicate showed a lot of grit, a lot of heart in their BTW debut going right after the Ugly Duckling. Unfortunately, didn't end the way East Coast Syndicate wanted it to end as they were on the losing end of that match. Uh, and, and you'd think they'd take a step back and recover and recuperate against a team that they might have you know, from the outsider's view, a chance of like, oh, we could probably dominate this team. No, no, they they, they get the rep. Uh, the, the the last team in, in BCW to defeat the Ellie Douglas. The Ellie Douglas have, you know, not been defeated many times in BCW, but they were defeated pretty handily uh, right. by the rep. Um, and, and from what we saw that night, you know, in, in the words of one of my favorite hip-hop groups, and I'm sorry, uh, Cassius Ono, for kind of stealing the line here, but the rep ain't nothing to bleep with, if you know what I mean. I think I, I think I picked it up on yeah yeah and and so the East Coast Syndicate these two kids they're really going through baptism by fire here it'll be a really really big upset if they get the win but my vote I'll be very honest with you I'm 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 taking the rep here uh, on September seventh and the rivalry continues Joey Ace versus Ace Andrews I mean listen these two guys something's got to give between these two guys I mean Ace Andrews a proud kid. But going up against a veteran like Joey Ace, it's really tough. You know, Ace Andrews was asking for that rematch, asking for that rematch. And, and Joey Ace finally gave it to him, you know, when, when he cost, you know, really kind of, you know, causing Joey Ace a lot of trouble here. Uh, he defeated Jess Neff, you know, kind of controversially at the end with uh, Jess Neff and uh, Joey Ace kind of attacking him. So maybe a big setup by Joey Ace here. But Ace Andrews has got a lot of heart. He's got a lot of gumption. He's got a lot of grit. I don't know if he's got a lot of brains mm. continuing to pick this fight against Joey Ace, but you know what? Heart and gumption and drive and perseverance can get you places. I think Ace Andrews can maybe sneak out a win, but to be honest with you, Joey Ace, in my opinion, has the advantage going into this match, just the experience. Uh, and, and, you know, Joey Ace knows what it is to do anything necessary to win. When, they, when we say he's the salty dog, we don't just mean it because he's a salty individual. But this guy knows how to really rub it in, and he's going to look to make an example out of Ace Andrews. I can tell you now, if Joey Ace wins this match, it's not going to be pretty for Ace Andrews. The beautiful, the sexy, the woman who makes my heart skip a beat, Faye Jackson, will go against one half of the Shine Tag Team Champions, Holla Dead. You know, uh, we are blessed to have this great little working relationship with Shine Wrestling. For anyone who's been paying it, I mean, Lufisto, former Shine champion, Mercedes Martinez, former Shine tag team champion, and now Holla Dead, one half of the current Shine tag team champions. Uh, Faye Jackson has got one heck of a challenge against her going up against Holla Dead. The last time she faced someone that came in uh, from Shine Wrestling, that being Lufisto, right. she, she, she gave it her all. She had a really tough challenge, getting a lot of respect from Lufisto in that night, but actually ended her undefeated streak that night as Lufisto handed her her first BCW loss. This is going to be a very interesting clash of styles. I mean, Holla Dead is eccentric is not really the word, Mister Putty. I don't know <laughs> what to really say when you're talking about Holla Dead. I, I mean, don't know the word either. I mean, this is the. One, I mean, you, you, you've seen the painted face. I mean, listen, we've seen Jeff Hardy. We've seen all these these people that that paint the face and everything. But Holla Dead takes it to a whole new level. And and you know how kind of like Finn Balor talks about how the demons is alter ego. Yep. I kind of feel like Holiday is like the 100% ego of this individual, and it it's, can be very scary. I, I don't know what we've unleashed on BCW come September 7th. All I can say is I, I think Faye's got a really, really tough test ahead of her, but I don't put it 
past fade, get past this test phase, you know, not immune to knowing what it is to have a big match. I, I think that match against Lufisto really took it to a new level with Faye. And um, Holland going to be in for one hell of a match. And when you talk about your heart skipping a beat, Mr. Putty, all I'm going to say is you would not know what to do with Faye Jackson if you had the chance. Oh, it disappointed her so quickly. <laughs> South Philly's finest goes against the recently controversial Shook Crew. You know, I find it funny. You know, you know how they say you've never seen, you know, Batman and Bruce Wayne in the same place at the same time? <laughs> you, you never see South Philly's finest and the Ugly Ducklings on the same BCW show at the same time anymore, do you? Ever since that matchup where South Philly's finest left with that controversial victory over the Ugly Ducklings, you just haven't seen one where the other is. And it just so happens that the Ugly Ducklings are not with us this September. So, hmm, very interesting. The boys from South Philly. And, and you said it best, the highly controversial Shook crew. I mean, these these guys, not um, not against picking a fight with anyone. You know this, and Green Man know this after finding out they had a little bit of a, a little bit of a back and forth with the Boulevard Bullies. That's right. But do not underestimate the goatiest of all time, Bobby Orlando and and, and Bryce Donovan. Uh, these two kids, uh, while controversial, they are very very talented, very young, very hungry, and they're gonna have to be just that if they want to beat. Those young lions from South Philly, Luca Brazzi and Jimmy Conway. The retrosexual Anthony Green makes his BCW debut against the new legendary action wrestling champion, the sexy Zane himself, Eric Jaden. Oh, the sexy Zane, black Eric Jaden, a new level of evolution, a new power level for Eric Jaden after capturing this championship from this other company that, you know, yeah, let's just say. They're they're better off because Eric Jaden's their champion now, right? Elevates them. Oh, uh, tremendously! But let's get to. I am super duper happy that the retrosexual Anthony Green is making his BCW debut. This is the Uncle Jesse of independent wrestling, Michael J. Putty. Nice. And I'm hoping. I really am hoping that the Platinum Honeys come with Mr. Anthony Green. If you want to talk about Faye Jackson making your heart skip a beat, Michael J. Putty, wait until you get a glimpse of Anthony Green's platinum honeys. Oh, my Lord. See, I love honeys. I love them when they're platinum, so now I'm really excited. Yeah, I could tell you, you know, this, in my opinion, in in, in just value alone, this is probably going to be one of the matches of the night, and, and as you've seen BCW management describe it, this will probably get us a fine from the FCC. <laughs> <laughs> Wrestling's richest prize, Darius Carter, goes against Casey Navarro. I'm a big fan of Casey Navarro as, as a person and as, a, as, a, as an athlete, as a, as a professional wrestler. I'm a fan of Casey Navarro. You know, he came to BCW management and he said, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to... Uh, I'd like to come to, to BCW and I'd like to, I'd like a match in September if, if we can make that happen. And uh, I remember being in the room when, when he was asked, well, if you could fight anybody on the BCW roster right now in September, who do you, who would you want to face? And he said Darius Carter. And I can tell you, I almost fell out of my chair. Huh, big challenge. Um, yeah. For anybody to want to step into the ring with Darius Carter, especially right now, the way that Darius Carter has been on a tear, the way that Darius Carter has been brutalizing opponents. I mean, Mercedes Martinez beat Darius Carter in June. But if we're being very honest, Darius Carter took Mercedes Martinez to a, to a limit. Definitely. That that night. And, and then obviously we saw what he did in July against Tim Hughes. He, he spared no expense at brutalizing. Tim Hughes in that ring at BCW in, in July. So a part of me 
wants to see Casey Navarro really kind of pull this out because I'm a huge fan of Casey Navarro. And, and I really think that Darius Carter needs to be kind of, you know, cut down to the knees a little bit just because of the way that his ego continues to rise and rise and rise. I know he wants a shot at that BCW World Heavyweight Championship. But Casey Navarro, I think, is walking into a lion's den in, in, in September. Part of me just hopes that he can walk out of that ring at the end of that match. Azrael defends the BCW world champion against the Concrete Rose, Sonny Kiss, or, as you all know him as, Exolicious from Lucha Underground. Big get. And killing it at Lucha Underground is, is, is Sonny Kiss. You know, Azrael's legacy as the BCW champion has been all about opportunity, Yep. right? You know, he hasn't, like many champions in independent wrestling, he hasn't waited for some ex- big name from uh, some somebody from a signed contract and a signed company to walk in the door to fight the champion and to boost ticket sales and things like that. No, no, no. Azriel has said, he's gone to BCW management and says, whoever you put against me will be the main event. Very simple. Look at the, look at the people that he's faced since being champion. Papa Don, Richard Holiday, and Sean Carr. And if we're going to be very honest... Tell me that his match against Papadon was not one hell of a match. Oh, it was a great match. T- tell me his match against Richard Holiday on three days' notice was not one oh, hell sure of a match. Right? Tell Plus, me his match with Sean Carr was not one hell of a match. Plus, the match he won it at against Joe Gacy and Mike Orlando was one hell of a match as well. That triple threat match where he won the championship as well. So talk about opportunity. Talk about being made the main event because you're fighting Azriel, because you're fighting for the BCW World Heavyweight Championship. But I've got to be real honest. With the role that Sonny Kiss has been on, this could be Azriel's biggest challenge today. Okay, Sean Carr, great guy. I've been a great big fan of Sean Carr for a long time. I know Sean Carr and Asriel have been to war for a very, very, very long time. But Asriel knows Sean Carr left, right, inside and out. Do you think the victories picked up in the temple on a main event national stage gives them more motivation to win this match? I think it does. I think it does. It's also a, a bit of a homecoming for, for Sunny Kiss. Sunny Kiss uh, was w- with BCW uh, for, for a couple of shows here and there back when BCW was still getting started and in its first and second year. And then uh, Sunny Kiss obviously went off to go do Lucha Underground, now coming back and getting this big opportunity here against Azriel. I, I think this this is the toughest test for Azriel because of that national stage that, that Sunny Kiss has been on. It's, it's a whole new Sunny Kiss. But again, like I said, Richard Holiday had a disadvantage because he was going in there on three days' notice against Asriel. Now, Asriel being the veteran that he is, he can do that kind of thing. You know, but Richard Holiday, three days' notice, kind of a disadvantage there. He knows Papadon inside and out like a book. He knows Sean Carr inside and out like a book. This is different. Honestly, there's a lot of expectations on both sides. Asriel wants to walk out just as he walked in, BCW World Heavyweight Champion. But imagine... Imagine what could happen on September 7th if Sonny Kiss somehow, someway is able to win the BCW World Heavyweight Championship and takes it to the temple. Can't wait. And your co-main event, the war will come to an end. Federated goes against PCA. I don't know if you caught the announcement earlier today, Michael J. Putty, but the PCA has announced who their foursome is going to be. They've announced it will be Alvin Alvarez, Rex Lawless, Tasha Steeles and Bison. So, very formidable four-man tag team. That is the foursome that will go to war wearing the PCA banner, wearing the PCA colors against Federate. 
Okay. We have only confirmed Mr. Martinez has been very tight lipped. Mr. Martinez has been very, very, very calculating about how he releases the information for who's going to be the Federated Four. We know too, Ali Rex will definitely be in the four on four matchup against the PCA. And making his BCW return will be none other than Federated South member Ray Fury. And if you remember Michael J. Putty when Ray Fury made his BCW debut. How could you forget? Okay. It was one hell of a debut that night. So he's coming back for this big war, this big final battle. Okay. Who the other two members are going to be, we have not yet heard from Mr. Martinez. But if you heard what Mr. Martinez said in the video release statement after the July show, he said that he doesn't care. If he has to bring the entire family, Federated has an incredible roster of individuals. PCA does as well. This is going to be an explosion, okay? And I can I can tell you exclusively here on a shot of wrestling, Michael J. Putty. Mm-hmm. I can tell you right now because of the explosion that this is going to be. BCW management has decided that this will be the final match of the evening. On September 7th. Good way to go out. Okay. This will be the final match of the evening. There's no other way you can do that uh, with the explosion that this this match is bound to create. Who are the other two members of Federated going to be? Okay. Will it be Brute Van Slyke? You know, we know for sure. We know for sure it won't be Mick Drake. I can tell you that much. We've been told uh, by Mr. Martinez that Mick Drake will actually be representing Federated elsewhere that night. So with Michael Lando out from injury, you know, Mick Drake not being there, who's going to fill this final spot? You know, who's going to fill the final two spots? We can assume that maybe Brute Van Slyke will be, will be back for, to, to represent Federated. He's been a part of this since the very beginning with Federated. So, you know, if Mick Drake's not there, who fills that final spot with Michael Lando out for injury? You know, if, if you know, there's just so many questions revolving around this and we only have a week to go, so a lot of things have to kind of fall into place for Federated. Could Mr. Martinez actually get in the match? I've had some conversations with Mr. Martinez as the unofficial member of Federated here, and the names he's been throwing around to me, very excited about. Very excited about. You so know, this is the match you don't want to miss. Well, somebody's got somebody's to get, get there. Somebody's got to be in the Bronx, and to be honest with you, I mean, Mr. Martinez is a very intimidating man. Imagine if the fourth member of Federated is Mr. Martinez himself. Can't wait. Imagine if Federated brings in another member of Federated South that that the BCW has not seen yet, that BCW has never been exposed to yet. So, you know, I I know a lot of the names on the Federated roster, so I'm both excited and scared. You know, as as the the, the commentator sitting ringside, I'm excited for this matchup. I'm excited to see, you know, who wins this. But I'm also scared because I know the names that Federated could bring. I know the names that are on the Federated roster and it's a very scary prospect if they walk in to fight for it, too. The very aptly titled fight for it, too. Great card. Top to bottom. Pete, thanks for your time. Look forward to this night. Give us a date again. It will be Friday, September 7th. 
The doors will open at 7 p.m. Show starts at 8 p.m. It's St. Helena's Gym. That is 2050 Benedict Avenue in the Bronx. If you're driving, we have an abundance of parking. If you're taking the train, there's the 6th train right there to the Castle Hill Avenue or Parkchester Avenue. Also, after BCW's Fight For It 2, we will be having the official BCW Fight For It 2 after party right across the street at the Evo Lounge. That will be happening right afterwards. I don't know how many how many you know people are going to be able to, to walk after Fight For It 2, but whoever can make it across the street will have a great after party sponsored by Evo Lounge. Sounds good. Can't wait. Look forward to it. Make sure you stick around to next week, episode 133, where a shot of wrestling will cover the event. Look forward to it. Pete, thanks for your time yet again. Look forward to see you. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week, Michael J. Putty. Can't wait. Neither can we. Episode 133 for BCW's Fight for Two. Stay tuned. But aside from that, that's all we got here for this week, episode 132. For Mr. Pete Rosado, I have been your host at Michael J. Putty. Until next week from BCW's Fight for Two. Putty out. Hey baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh my. And maybe you seem a bit confused, yeah baby, but I got you pinned. Ha 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 But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night everybody. <laughs>